0: And thanks for taking the time. We're going to be talking to another negotiator, but these folks are very busy right now. Obviously, they're preparing for a new session with the uh, mediator uh, coming up on Thursday. So, Aaron, we'll we'll try not to take up too much of your time here, but uh, give us just a quick sense as to where things stand after the meeting last night. You presented the district's financial offer at the request of the district,
1: correct? We did. Uh, they they felt uh, well. They alluded that we weren't being uh, forthright with our membership. And we said, hey, we'd like to share your offer in its entirety to our membership. And they said, please do. So that's what we did last night.
0: So you're, you're suggesting that the, the the district actually accused you of not really telling your members what they were offering?
1: That That is what they inferred or just came out honestly and, and said that they had heard that through, through the grapevine.
0: Uh, You know, I I understand that in the middle of negotiations, people don't want to talk too much about specifics, but can you give us a sense of what was it about this offer that was so dissatisfactory to your members?
1: Uh, Honestly, it was so they offered a multi-year financial deal. And uh, the the second and third year of that financial deal, uh, our members felt was was inadequate. And, and honestly, they weren't very impressed with the first year. Um, the, our members honestly have felt that the district has rebalanced the budget on the backs of their paychecks. Uh, and, the, and and over the last 10 years, the district has uh, gotten back into the black, but our our members have felt that their raises have been uh, little or nothing, uh, you know, as compared to the cost of living of those around and you know, they need to see something better. Um,
0: you know, this for, for people listening, for the, the taxpayers in District 186, they're, they're going to feel this tug of war between, on the one hand, wanting to support teachers, but on the other hand, saying, hey, there's only so much money to go around, uh, and we don't want the district to uh, overextend itself or to have you know need more money for other things here. So, uh, I mean, how can you reassure taxpayers that this is in their best interest, that it's not pulling too much away from other things the school district has to spend its
1: money on? Well, that's really part of the argument, Jim. The district doesn't want to talk about uh, reallocating the money that it's already using. There is a lot of money out there. The, the district and local funds brought in $2.6 million last year. That's that's in addition to what it had in years past. Through the fair funding formula, the district's received nearly a million dollars over the last two years. Each year, an additional million dollars. Um you know, the district receives $10 million in Title I and Title Two funds. All I mean, there there is a lot of money out there. We're not asking for all of it. We're just asking for something equitable. I mean, the state workers got 4% raises, right? I didn't hear the public screaming about that.
0: Well, they did a little bit on this program from time to time, but at least some some people did. Uh well, let me uh, let me ask you this. Um uh, are there areas where you think the district is overspending and could do less so they can funnel more to your members?
1: Well, I I'll, I'll give you one example, okay? The district hired a brand new administrator. They added a new administrative position this year at a, at let's call it roughly 100 grand, okay? Uh, you know, what we're asking for in, uh, certain realms, a hundred grand could go a long way, uh, in our classified personnel to bring them up to a livable wage. Um, I mean, $15 an hour would be here before we know it. And we have lots of them only making 12 and a half, 13 and a half dollars 13 an hour. You, you can't live on that, Jim.
0: Explain uh, the term classified personnel for people who don't know what, what you mean by that.
1: Sure. So, like a, a teacher has a certification, a psychologist has a certification. We have classified personnel who are uh, the backbone of our organization. There are teaching assistants. There are security personnel. Uh, some of our uh, assistants in the occupational, uh, physical, and uh, occupational therapist realm um, our nurses. Um, they are they are those some of those non-certified personnel. They also exist in the uh, our parallel, you know, the parallel union local fifteen SEIU, uh, and you know those classified positions: secretaries, operations and maintenance, uh, custodians, as well
0: now um what's the the situation with with those positions then uh it, it, would it be in effect the same uh offer or the same percentages that the teachers themselves found inadequate or or would is there a separate pay structure for them how How does that work
1: So no, there's a separate pay structure for each job classification um, and what we would like to see and we've we've told the district we are trying to prioritize those positions especially the the lowest paid ones like the teaching assistants to get them to a a decent and living wage. Uh we have we have teaching assistants who've been teaching for 25 years that don't make what a, you know, what a what one of our starting teachers makes. That's how, how is that right?
0: At the same time, you're not only looking for for more money for these individuals, but I understand one of the sticking points too is just on staffing levels that you feel like there needs to be more staff overall too.
1: Uh, absolutely, we're. I mean, we're still thirty or forty uh, attendants and teaching assistants, and we have several uh, teaching positions still vacant. Nine weeks, nearly nine weeks into the school year, we've got a lot of positions. Filled what we call them filled with substitute teachers that's that's not technically filled. We, <clears throat> I mean, we want the best and brightest and most qualified in those positions, but if you're not willing to respect a position and, and pay it what it's worth, you can't fill the spot and it's really, it's really basic, a basic principle that we seem to be ignoring.
0: But we know that there's a teacher shortage statewide. This isn't unique to Springfield. So is that something the district can actually control? Uh,
1: well, I, I think we could. I mean, if we really set our minds to it, we could become a mecca where people would gravitate to. What are the things, what kinds of things would people gravitate to? Well, obviously better pay, uh, some decent health insurance, insurance. Um, They would gravitate toward places where they were uh, respected as professionals, where safety and security were taken seriously, where the mental health of the staff members themselves was, like, of great priority to the district. If those kinds of things got around, I bet people would be coming in droves.
0: What else do people the the members of the public need to know about what teachers and your other members are looking for in this contract and and why why is it something that we should be rooting for
1: you to get? Good question, Jim. Well, we're looking to increase the number of minority candidates we have district-wide. We're we're really low when it comes to Um, minority levels of teachers we're still at seven eight percent of our all of our certified staff that's again our teachers social workers psychologists are minorities but our our district itself is is comprised of of nearly 50 percent minorities that's pretty lopsided how do you write that Uh, into
0: the contract though what what do you do in a contract to to try to change that because you can't really specify quotas in a
1: contract can you well, you can put things into place that would attract minorities, and you could make, you could put something in writing, a memo of understanding that says we're, that commits resources to really focusing on it, a collaborative effort between the union, between outside community agencies and the district to make it happen. You know, I I think the NAACP would really like to see that happen, and so would we.
0: Um, when we last spoke a few days ago after the first session with the mediator, you said you felt like uh, talks had moved forward. You weren't sure if they'd moved forward far enough or fast enough. Uh, Seeing what your members now think about this, what what do you think is the status right now? Is there still room to negotiate? Is there a path forward on this or are we headed toward a breakdown in these talks?
1: There's there's still a path forward, but the district really has to take a serious look at those percentages last night. I, I think they thought they were they really had something good, but 90% of our members said, no, that, that is nowhere near good enough. So they're going to have to decide. I mean, really, the, the ball is in their court at this point.
0: Aaron Graves is the President of the Springfield Education Association, giving us the latest after this meeting last night. the next session with the mediator is Thursday. and you felt like that was productive having uh, having the mediator on hand did did that uh, did did that help this get get moving in the right direction?
1: It absolutely did, Jim. I mean it's it's ironic that you know with one session with the federal mediator. Things move nearly as much as, as they had in, in four months. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I'm very hopeful that, uh, the federal mediators continued presence will continue to move things along.
0: Aaron Grace, thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate it this afternoon. Thank you, Jim.